All right, stand by. to work i just want to play tears of kingdom all day i don't want to play just want to get my zelda all day sometimes when a game that good comes out you're like why jobs why why jobs? and then you're like well people have jobs who made this game and that's good but really like why do i have to like you know, earn money and pretend to be a functional member of society when I just want to, like, you know, fuse Koroks to logs and <laughs> throw them into the abyss. I mean, really. You I've know? already made $70 to buy the game. What else do you want from me? Right. World? Like, leave me alone. Actually, me alone. the only thing, the only thing that I did wrong about my two-week vacation <laughs> is that I timed it so Breath of the Wild would come out on Friday, and I had Saturday and Sunday. So ultimately, what I really should have done, my guess, is that I should have uh, you know, taken the second and third week off, because if that if I had done that, I wouldn't. I would literally be playing, well, not right now because we're recording this podcast, but other than that, I would be playing right now. That's and, correct. Uh, yeah, that would be I nice. messaged you and I said, hey, do you want to record this week? Like, oh, we had a plan to record on the yes. last Friday on the day of it came out. And you're like, oh, shit, my family's still here and I don't even think I'll get to play until Saturday. I'm like, you have, you have done everything wrong with your life. <laughs> Well, the funny thing is, is that my in my brain, I was like, oh, well, it'll take them a while to get up and get dressed. So, you know, that morning <laughs> I'll be able to play and I'll be able to record the podcast. And I forgot everyone in my family is either mid 70s or 80. 6 a.m. wake up. Oh, maybe like five. Oof. Like they were by the time I like got up and got over to like pick them up at like, I don't know, nine or whatever. Three women were showered, cleaned up, <laughs> full faces of makeup on, ready and like to ready to kill the day. And I was like in my like you know running shorts and like a dirty t shirt I pulled off the floor. Like they are on another level completely. But the good news is then they peter out at like three p.m. Right. So then you're like, okay, cool. We had a great morning, early afternoon. Now I return you, and now I get to you know. So I got to play. I, I actually, <laughs> I'm laughing at myself. I actually did like wake up kind of feeling just wiped out because the day before we had gone to um, this huge garden that's like in the southern Georgia area, which is gorgeous, Ooh, and I had a great nice. time. This is, is but, this a but is this a botanical garden? Is this a special landmark of a place? It's called Callaway Gardens, and mm -hmm. it was built by. A, like a super rich couple that I, yeah. as I recall, I think the, um, I think the husband was like either in mining or like train companies or something like in the twenties and thirties. And so that one of the things they chose to do with their money was to build this huge garden for people to enjoy. Um, you, you know, uh, the only way we can have nice things is for uh, community-minded rich people to die and and then give it to the world. You know, like yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, it was. I love these places. I we love touring old mansions and houses and gardens, the same. And and up here, it's like the Vanderbilts were like the richest yep. people on yep. earth. They had more money than pharaohs. And then they were like, here we, this, this giant mansion was their third smallest house. And it's right, like, and you're like, kill me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, it's so funny. So um, one of my aunts is a lot like me. And then the other aunt and my mom are like, you know, different types of people. And so the aunt that's like me and I, like we were talking about the visit to Callaway and then we were like, Oh yeah, well, you know, they were rich white people, so you know, they probably had a bunch of slaves on the property or whatever. Oh, down there, yeah. And my very, very sweet, you know, very doe-eyed mother was like, <laughs> No, like those sweet people, like and I was like, Okay, and both Let Deb and I, my, my aunt, that's like me, were like whipping our phones out. We're yep. like, let let's get some history. How could and, like, these my, people who made such a nice garden also own slaves? Right. How could that but, be true? You know. 
but my parents are all boomers and like they're <laughs> lucky for me they're not you know trump touting flag waving of course boomers. of course yeah but i mean it's interesting and you know this is obviously a deeper topic for another time but it's interesting to kind of um contemplate that generation gap when you have more than a day with your parents and mm-hmm. kind of see you know and family and kind of see how the world they grew up in affected them yeah. versus how the world you're currently li- moving through is affecting you yeah so it was interesting anyway um yeah and and i worry not to get too far afield but i i worry it's like we have to keep teaching this you know we have to keep educating everyone and every new generation to so that moments like this of like how could how could this be a slave plantation like you should just know and assume i forget i think i was talking about or someone was talking about this on another show um and it's like we want to hide the confederacy we want to like you know right. change its they narrative and whatever and 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 for and then by contrast in germany for example they have laws and rules and this sort of civic responsibility of like hey i'm just going into the drugstore to uh buy a bottle of aspirin and here's a plaque on this building that says 6000 jews were murdered here and it's like there are signs and historical monuments that say, do not forget what happened here. It was right here where this happened. Yep. It's like, and the and that difference in civic sort of mindfulness, I guess, is right. so stark in a world where people want to ban books about racism in, in our schools and stuff. Any Anyway. Right. Yeah. Video games. Oh, white people, says this white person. There you go. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> just just backing up. Who um, I'm hearing a white person talk, and uh, I'm not sure who that is. Who 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 are you? Who is speaking right now? Yes, this white person is Colette Bennett. The person hey, whose she's name back. is in the title. Yay! She's back. Um, but I heard that um, Jaime was the guest last week, which made me extremely excited because um, Jaime is a good friend of mine and someone who I spent many years with at a the job that we all met at. So yep. it, I'm very happy. I, and I haven't listened yet. It's like on my to-do list to listen because I want to hear you guys. And I know you're going to be Just two great. Zelda nerds going full force. Just going hard. <laughs> going hard and trying really, really hard, trying our very best to be like, I want to talk about this, but I can't because uh, I don't want to spoil things. Uh, this is so good, but I can't, you know. And so, yeah. I don't know, as, the, as our conversation evolves, we can discuss whether we want, h- how spoilery we want to get. We, yeah. If, you know, everyone's playing this game at their own pace. And we right. do not and want it's, to it's, uh it's such a ahead. game that encourages like last night, um I was I didn't play, but I watched video game donkeys video, which to I me just saw like that pop up. I gotta see. Oh it, my yeah. god. Like so the one that he made for Breath of the Wild I literally laughed until I cried and then I would keep it in a place where like if I was having a really bad day sometimes I'd be like I'm just gonna watch Donkey like f- like fucking get ruined mostly the, the original video and the new and mostly it was just like him getting like wrecked and being like yeah. okay um, <laughs> so yeah I think um, yeah I'm very excited about about uh, you know that in general but anyway one thing that I wanted to point out, and I'm sure you will have plenty to say on this as well, is that there is such an inherent playfulness yes. that I feel like is deeper in this game when it comes to, oh, what can I do with this thing? Yep. And it kind of gave me the vision last night of almost like the feeling of a child playing with blocks or yep. coloring in a book or mm-hmm. like something that leads to discovery. And I thought that was so interesting because Nintendo is such a master of providing games that kind of hit this... It's interesting because some people would say, oh, they design games for children. And I think they're quite aware that they're designing games for people, not just children. But Mm -hmm. they've hit this perfect mark where like it perfectly caters to a sense of discovery and wonder. Yes. Like in in. I think regardless of like what age of people play it. And a lot of the games that I play 
they're they're good in many different ways but i was thinking about how rarely games inspire wonder yes and this could, game inspires that for me. Could not agree more. Uh, I could. I think I mentioned this in the Discord. I, I can count on one hand the video games that I am that I play, and I'm going around dun, 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 figuring it out, and then audibly say, oh, "Whoa!" or "Whoa!" Yeah. Like, how often do you really gasp out loud with joy or wonder or fear or whatever? And this one, this game has me doing it multiple times in a playthrough. It's interesting Ugh. that you mentioned child versus adults versus people. Um, the it's fun. My son, who is seven, is obsessed with this game, and it's actually oh. causing a problem in our household uh, as usual. Of like. Um, uh, hey, I, you go, can I play Zelda when I get home? Yeah, but we got to do this. We got to do that. Oh, we're busy today. Blah, tantrum, freak out, whatever. Oh, so wow. that's like what that's its own thing. But point is, um, he loves this game because he loves the idea of whacking monsters in the face with a stick. Like he could do that all day, but he cannot get off the tutorial Sky Island because the puzzles and the ultra hand mechanics are just a little too like they're not complicated for an adult I, I, well let me let me back up let me rephrase that they're not they're not too hard it's a tutorial they're not too hard for people who have played lots of video games but for a seven-year-old kid who's played his fair share of video games but not enough 3d games picking up objects and rotating them precisely and attaching them together to solve a puzzle, like right. create this bridge, build a sailboat. He just cannot get it. And the, so he's a, he's obsessed with playing, wants to play, gets very frustrated. So I've made Aww. this deal with him that I'm like, I will get you out of to, out of the tutorial island on your account. Let me just get you out of here. Let me get you down to Hyrule and then you can do whatever the fuck you want. And I think yep. once he gets down into the into the, the sandbox and he doesn't need to follow quests or solve puzzles or do shrines, he can just run around and hit stuff. He's going to have the time of his fucking life. But uh, but we're getting there anyway. So yeah. I, I thought I'd mention that because I because you kind of uh, connected some dots there. Yeah, no, no, no. It's interesting because I think when I was playing it, I was, I, yeah, I definitely had this kind of image of like children discovering and it's like, oh, okay. But like, it's our that, inner child discovering, right? Which makes a lot of sense, I guess. And I, I like that because I feel like, you know, you know, you always have these friends, right? And they'll be like, oh, I used to love doing this as a kid. Oh, I used to love doing this, but you know, I just don't have time now. And I always kind of see that as well. I understand the feeling and I have sympathy for it. But at the same time, it's like, I feel like it's not that you don't have time. It's that you don't make time. Yeah. There's always time to do. Or you don't think you, you deserve want. time or, you know right. what I mean? Like stuff yep. like that. Absolutely. Um, Tell so, me if you're experiencing this. This is another meta layer that I am so in love with right now, which is got the game day one. So excited, you know, and you know, we do content for a living and we're on the internet 24 seven. So we are sort of seeing the world play this game, mm -hmm. but also I'm in love with, I boot up my switch and like three to four friends that I know are all playing the game at the same time, almost like all day, every day, like to, to, a, to an extent. And some of these people are in media and games journalism. And so it's, you expect them to see them, but other people are like, Oh, they're, you know, everyone's playing it. And then in text threads and group chats, people are talking about the game and people are tech because I'm posting about the game. People are texting me and messaging me memes and, and videos. And, Oh, I found this. I found meaning friends from all walks of life are suddenly like, did you see this? What I'm going here? What are you doing? I can't believe this. Look at this TikTok. It's crazy. Everyone's everyone's having a moment this week. And I love it. I'm reconnecting with people that I don't talk Aww, to on, on, a, on a daily basis. Yeah. And it's really nice. It's really, really nice. Good. That's really, really cool. I love that. I love when games bring people together too. And it does seem like, you know, this and Animal Crossing, like they just mm -hmm. have the ability to mobilize. Yeah. 
It, yes, you're right. The last time this happened was Animal Crossing, and it has been three years then since this mm-hmm. was since we had this big, big moment in gaming. And uh, la ti da, Nintendo did both of them, you know, with with marquee franchises. Shocker, amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, just yeah. So good. So, so good. Anyway. how far along, you know, we can discuss for, so with the show that we did with Jaime, uh, we sort of spoke in mechanical, vague, thematic terms, and then blocked off a chunk in the end for spoilers. And we could do okay. that here, or we could lay it out in the beginning. What, what, what would you like to talk about? Uh, gameplay wise and where are you roughly in terms of hours or tutorial done or are you still in the sort of figuring out mode where where are you in the game so I just unlocked okay let's see I unlocked alternate unlocked I think I've unlocked four powers so far okay so I got to go back to the temple of time I got to unlock that part mm-hmm. so and I got down to Hyrule. So I've been yes. in Hyrule for not very long. Okay. And I kind of like landed in a place where like, and it's probably different no matter where you could go down, but I landed in this area where like you kind of bump into like the makings for like a little ha- a cabin or a house. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think like, Oh yeah, that's right. And then like you see Ganon's thing and you're like, okay, there's that. And then like I was heading in a new direction and that's where I saved. So I think mm-hmm. maybe I might have like maybe eight hours would be my okay. guess. But you've um, just gotten down, meaning uh, like it's, uh, I beelined right to the main quest, which starts to open up again, as, as you can expect. And as you know, you could do whatever you want, but I kind of wanted to kick off the main quest to see what was going on. And from that sort of central town area that you arrive in, it's like lots of stuff is going on. So you could go to any of these places and I chose one place to go and I'm currently pursuing a tangent of the main quest in one of many places and without okay. saying more than that. But so it's so given that I, I, I think I, you know, and I played, started playing one or two days before you started playing. I'm probably um, a couple hours ahead of you in terms of progression. I would think so. Yes. Because you have actual free time um, probably, or at least more free time than I had Maybe. in the last hey, couple of not days. Not as much as I want to play. I, I you know, it's like, Oh, I gotta, we got to go to soccer or have the social obligation. Oh, you know, <laughs> I was texting with our mutual friend, Christine. And I was like, she's like, did you see this? Did you find this? I'm like, no, I got to hang out with all these fucking fucking mothers all weekend. God yeah. damn it. <laughs> You're like, get me out of here. damn these moms. <laughs> just wanting gifts and flowers. Get out of here. I got to play I games know, now. really? And mother's she's like, Day. Sucks. She's like, sucks for you. This is my Mother's Day. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> so she's having a blast. Anyway, so... Um, yeah, I I don't know I don't know how much further you want to go. Uh, tell me more about your because you know Jaime shared his first impressions and and so maybe let us know like you you boot it up you you jump in finally and like love the blow opening. Your hair back. Lo- yeah, loved the way that they like came back into it. it was like okay, mm-hmm. that's cool. They didn't want to like start us in the same high rule, even though we clearly love that high rule. Um, But like, they were like, okay, how can we make the beginning different? And so I thought the idea of expanding the world that you can explore rather than, you know, I mean, and it's funny, it's like, where else were you going to make the game? It's a Zelda game, like it has Mm -hmm. to be in Hyrule, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's like... Though yeah. some some Zelda games that are sequels like Majora's Mask and there was another one. Don't I, I'm it's escaping me now. But they are they take place in like, all right, Hyrule is saved and now we're going to this other right. place. Uh, right. But it's like, okay, you have a switch and you have all this world and assets built. You know, you know, like it took so long to make that that's this intrigues me actually. I'm glad you brought this up. The world is already built. It's not nothing. Video game development is not easy by any stretch, but like the menus are drawn, the characters right. are built, the world is there, the geometry is there. So in essence, you're just kind of building on top of Breath of the Wild, right? Which is not an easy task, but like you don't have to build Hyrule again from scratch, which no. accelerates development. So instead, they're like, "What if you could 
not just move uh, metal things, but you could pick up anything. What if there were islands in the sky too? Like, it makes me realize, you know, this game took four to five years or whatever. Like, it's the same map, except there must be so, so, so much more on top of this map, I guess is my point. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, And yeah, I think, I think, yeah, it was interesting. I, I think, man, I really, I thought a lot about like, while playing, I was like, okay, this is interesting because the first time we played breath of the wild, everything was new, right? You know, and everything was just awe inspiring. And it's like, okay, so now we're in this world where it's like, okay, it's not our first time in the world. I'm happy to be back in the world, but like yes. you lose the awe, right? And so I think they thought about, you know, the awe, like how can we bring that awe? How can we bring it back? back? How but- can it be? It's familiar. I felt very at home because I had not played Breath of the Wild since finishing Breath of the Wild. I, I was not one of those people who was like, "Ooh, I got to go back and play more and find the Korok seeds." Like that was not me. So no, the minute I booted up, either. I'm like, "Oh right, I I remember how Link feels, and I remember what the world feels like." And then instantly, in addition to feeling comfortable and home, I felt also the awe inspired is exactly as you said which is amazing it's amazing that they could do both at the same time yeah it really is like i i think i reflected on like the balance you know and i was like yeah the balance of just enough of the thing that you loved so much that it sold us so many copies before but also just enough new while keeping that in kind of couched in a familiar it's it, it's hard. Like yeah. I think I've seen a lot of places, a lot of developers do sequels and kind of I don't know how to put it. I don't want to say lazy because I don't know anything about what it's like for them. But like sequels that just they feel like it's just being ground out. You know what yeah. I mean? They feel yeah. like it's just like like it's retreading similar yeah. loops and and mechanics yeah yeah and one i think one thing i never i never really complain about when it comes to um when it comes to like nintendo games is that typically they're with the exception of some sales they're mostly full price mm-hmm. and i don't care because yeah. i know i am getting a robust polished like i mean really i don't if it's a first party nintendo game i really rarely have any true criticism no like i agree and it's it's not because just i'm a fangirl it's because for me i guess presentation yeah it just yeah presentation Um, performance creativity all that stuff matters and you just i don't know it's i'd be hard pressed to think of a modern nintendo game you know even the zelda games that people are like oh that's you know i like skyward sword i understand the criticism of skyward sword about it's too linear and whatever but i enjoyed it i believe i played it twice and uh you know so because it has that polish it's it's a it's a kick-ass zelda game with great dungeons and you yeah. know, I like the cloud, you know, the sky islands, but, uh, but obviously, um, breath of the wild and now tears is just like, I don't know. It's, it's so above and beyond. And, and, and we kind of alluded to this at the top of the show, but like you and I, and I believe our, I think our audience too, it's like, I'm playing this, but it's kind of getting dull and I want to get a, I want to try a little bit of this and now I'm searching for a cool game and maybe I want to play something on my phone while I do this other bigger game. And you're always kind of like poking and prodding at what's out there and seeing what catches your attention. There's nothing else I want to do or play except this right. game at right. this time. And yeah, that also I think has a certain rarity to it. A ra- um, it's so rare. You know, and you know, we've talked about that before like how we want the hi- we want to find the game where the hyper focus hits hard enough yes. that that's all we want to play. Yes. And so I had an speaking of that, I had an interesting conundrum <clears throat> which was that um Diablo had its last what they call a server slam weekend. Yes, I, I saw that, yep. And it was that same weekend and I had really? been playing with friends and so I was like, okay, so they're doing one last run to test everything and 
I'm, you know, and all the classes are open. And so I'm like, you know, maybe, maybe I'll just, you know, make maybe some time, like I'll, I'll play some Zelda and then I'll pop out and then, you know, we'll, we'll meet up later or whatever. And we'll play Diablo. And so we all hopped in and we played Diablo. And this is a bit of a change of topic. And we can we can bookmark it for later if we need to, um, if we want to keep on Zelda at the moment. But it kind of hit me that despite what I can only imagine is an enormous amount of time poured into this sequel, mm-hmm. that kind of holding it up at the same time <laughs> and comparing textures next to Zelda... I mean, my biggest complaint is that it's not really, for me, fun. Diablo was not as fun. Yeah, like, did you ever play, You, I know you played three, but did you ever play two? Yes, oh, for sure. So in two, I feel like there was just this, it was so much fun to, like, Mm -hmm. run the Assassin class or even, like, the other classes, although Assassin was, like, my pick, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, uh, So... I think, I think that that it just doesn't feel the 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 attacks and stuff. They, something about them, like it doesn't feel fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but is this only in comparison to Tears of the Kingdom? Meaning, when you did the open beta two three weeks ago, maybe further back, I remember you say feeling like, yeah, yeah. Diablo 4 is here. It's everything that we expected it to be. It looks great, feels great. So what's what's changed? I just don't know. Like, I don't... I mean, this is the thing. At the heart of, you know, every Diablo game, it's just a lot of click to kill. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, but what do you couch around all that, you know, to mm-hmm. make it more fun? And one thing I really do want to kind of hold off on is the idea that, like excuse me, as you get past like act one and you start like unlocking deeper into the skill tree that you'll feel more power. But Mm -hmm. that said, I have you ever met those people that are like, oh my God, you will love this show. You just have to get through the first four episodes are kind of slow. But once you, and I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like I don't have four hours of life to waste on something I'm not enjoying to get to the part I enjoy. Like this was um, Xenoblade Chronicles two for me was like, this I don't this every literally everything about this game sucks and every post online was like after 30 hours this thing opens up and it's so good I'm like what come on yeah come on yeah but look I mean as we've discussed with Diablo and and I you know I was recently playing Minecraft Dungeons which I liked a lot but if the carrot is there if there's the carrot of like, if I can find or upgrade or transmute this armor or this sword into something like two hit points stronger, then I'll be able to eke out this next dungeon. Like, I love that. I will do that. Despite loving Minecraft dungeons, I found a, I found I was like, I don't really know what I'm working toward or where I'm going. It weirdly just like stops having goals. And I'm like... What? Why would I get better gear to do what? I don't really know. Whereas um, Monster Hunter like has new content, and I'm like, let's go, let's do it. I was playing that before Tears of the Kingdom, but then, but now, to your point, it's like Tears of the Kingdom is so dynamic. Like again, no spoilers, but there's there's one new type of quest that I found really interesting, like a, a new quest structure that I've come ac- across. And it was crazy challenging. I was getting killed in one hit uh, every single time. And so I kept kind of banging my head against it. And what you start to figure out is like, well, I can just pick up this and fuse it to this. And I got to walk around the edge and use this other character who's nearby to like kind of mitigate the damage. And it became instead of being like a one hit kill battle, it became like an incredibly dynamic, intense critical uh fight that was very rewarding in the end and did i level up or get better armor at the end no but it was just fucking cool and fun and interesting and held my attention 100 percent instead of like oh i'm gonna put this i'm gonna grind this out while i do a podcast like again i love that 
I love games like that. But this is Breath of the, uh, excuse me, Tears is um, so rich and so dynamic that it, it's it's next level. Yeah. In terms of attention. Yeah, for sure. The quest you're mentioning, I don't think I've gotten that far. No, no, no. And it's it's a total side quest, but it's again, no, no, I won't allude too much, but it, it's not a not a Korok style quest, but it's more like oh, okay, this thing will happen again and again because there are probably many of these things in the world in classic Zelda style. Like, oh, there's lots of fairy fountains and there's lots of, you know, temples and shrines. This was a new thing that was like, uh, oh, okay, I'll, I'll find, I will encounter this again. And when I do, I got to make sure I got to... Th- this is another reason I love this game and Breath of the Wild before it. It's like... I got to cook some food. I got to rest up to get my hearts up. I got to wear certain armor to get a, get certain resistances. And I'm going to craft, fuse, find a bunch of weapons that are potent against this type of enemy so that I'm fully prepared to take on this challenge. And that's sort of like I'm safe and then I go into danger and then I'm safe again. Like that sort of bouncing in and out in a completely open world sandbox is just the bee's knees, if you will. I, right. I love it, man. Yeah, I yeah, I really I mean <laughs> uh I don't want to work today. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um but you know what? I will say this. Yesterday I worked had a very busy day and mm-hmm. then I came to, you know, help with some dinner stuff for pa- with Patrick and then when we were finished, I I did play a bit and I was just like this is such a nice, like, this game feels deeply relaxing. It's so relaxing. And I think that is part of what I do love about it so much. Yep. Um, yep. I found, in addition to life stress, this sort of, um, and I, 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 I know you'll relate to this and, and possibly listeners will too, but it's like, it's Wednesday of last week and Tears of the Kingdom is coming out on Friday at midnight, you know, our time. And you want to chill out at the end of the day, Wednesday or Thursday, and you want to play a video game, but what do you play? Because you don't want to start a big, meaty game because you know you're going to drop it uh, when Tears comes out. And all the other kind of casual side games are fine, but they're kind of getting dull. And so... You know, first world problems, and I'm not saying that that though that sort of indecisiveness is stressful, but like if you think about it too long and you spend too much time with that indecision, it can feel uh, uncomfortable, cognitively like annoying, you know. And so that so the whole of last week was kind of like I don't know what to do with myself during my right. downtime, right. And the end, and I was telling Jaime this, like, it was like 10 o'clock on Friday and I'm like waiting up and I'm, I'm falling asleep. I'm starting to fall asleep. And I say to my wife, I'm like, I'm just going to go to bed. She's like, no, you got to stay up. You've been waiting all this time. You should do it. And so second win, get up. I'm like exhausted. I boot up the game and instantly I got a second wind. I got fully immersed and I'm and I'm sitting there playing for probably two hours, and I I kind of step back and like th- look at my own mind for a minute. I'm like, this is the most relaxed I've been in the entire week. Aww, right? And like, I just have to shout out Lauren for being like, husband, you should go make the you time. gotta do this, yeah. Because I feel like uh, I don't know, it gives me like the warmest, fuzziest feelings when your partners so understand <laughs> these little bits about your passion you know and like luckily for me like patrick also is a gamer but you know there are some certain types of games we really both get into that the other you know doesn't necessarily i mean zelda we both love um um yeah yeah so it's therapeutic um another friend of ours call uh, i don't know if she coined it or she was referring to someone else but she called it um she calls it self-care which is um, Zelda self-care. <laughs> um, maybe your friend is a genius. <laughs> I feel like she was not taking credit. I think she was crediting someone else, but I'll uh, shout out to her uh, on that one. Uh, yeah. Just find yourself some, uh, some self-care. Uh, why don't self-care. we take a 
let's take a quick yes, little quick break. break and uh and if you know we can continue the zelda chat there were it's funny there's not a ton of like really big news but there are a couple little bits and bobs that i wanted to shout out here that that might be worth mentioning so we'll break for a moment and then we'll come back and um talk about some more interesting video game stuff uh, right after this back and i'm gonna pop a little a little item here in uh, in our our chat in in discord here that you can uh, open up here but this came up yesterday we're recording this wednesday so um news came out that steam will be offering 90 minute game trials Oh, whoa. I didn't For, see that. Had you not seen it? No, I'm clicking it right now so I can look I, at it. And that you know is what? so cool. Isn't that great? I don't know. And starting with the Dead Space remake is the first one. I don't know if this is game. This has to be game by game. I assume developers will have to opt in to this because I'm. there's probably some games that are like only 90 minutes long and then you can play them for free and whatever. But it's good. It's amazing in a couple dimensions. One, obviously, trying a game out before you buy is fantastic. Steam already offers you two hours of gameplay before you can get a refund, which is a really great right. consumer-friendly policy. Yeah. And I think I was reading somewhere that, like, while this is definitely a, like a good guy Valve kind of moment... It's also save going to save them a buttload of money on credit card transactions. Totally. You buy something and then refund it. Like I think they have to eat the credit card processing fee, which ultimately they lose money on game refunds, essentially. So this is a way to mitigate that, help consumers uh, try before you buy. And then also in a Steam Deck world where you're like, this game would be great to play on Steam Deck and it's playable but not verified and let me try it out. Let me tweak some settings. Like, I I have literally spent 90 minutes tweaking settings on certain games to see if I want to play them on the Steam Deck and how great would it be to do that for free and be like, oh, this one's not so great, so it's going to be a pass, but I'll try another one. You know, it's just awesome. Yeah, no, that's really, really cool. It's yeah, it is kind of interesting actually, because as I look at it, I'm like, oh, yeah, they definitely did this to help themselves, I'm <laughs> sure. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, it's. I mean, and that's totally fine. Um, yeah, I think I don't know, man. I just think for me, there have been games I've done this, you know, I've really enjoyed doing this with what's available on steam. I mean, sorry, not on steam on switch. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know. I guess I feel like I really know after an hour and a half, if I want to play this game, Oh, like I, I know. And you know, maybe a game was really pretty and I really liked it and something really clicked or whatever. And then I played it and I was like, it's, I want it to click. Yeah, I want to like this, but like it's just not clicking for me, totally. and I hate it. But it's like the truth, right? Think of and how like, many games are in your library that you spent ninety minutes playing that you purchased and yep. will never go back to. Yep, which kills me. Like, yeah. you know, there's just there's just too many games. Like, it's just not. Ugh, ugh. Anyway, um, so yeah, like I could not be more about this in all honesty i'm i'm really here for it yep um but yeah just i hope it's something that they because you know there's a lot of demos and i guess you could say that's comparable but like imagine um ima- like just imagine like i don't know like instead of like downloading the demo and like the you know then the game company has to prepare the separate demo maybe it's the beginning exactly. but maybe it also like they don't even have to do any of that yeah exactly it, right it it's it's seems like a win 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 meaning it's a win for valve it's a win for consumers obviously and right. uh, perhaps a really nice win for developers no extra work theoretically I, maybe we don't know the all of it cuz like you are you have to download the entire game like you you can play any part of the game it's it is not a limited demo it's 90 minutes so if you're if it's 90 minutes of minecraft i don't know minecraft is not on steam but for example 90 minutes of a sandbox game you could go anywhere do anything it's not limited right right um so you're downloading the full game uh but then i guess steam just kind of locks you out when you're done uh with that trial period 
Um, I, yeah, I think developers have to opt in, but hopefully no extra work. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Um, not a ton more to, to say on that, perhaps. So it's tangentially perhaps related, not exactly, but um, this past week, I th- there were many, I believe the review embargo lifted on the Asus ROG, 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 Ally. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm super curious about this. Right? I've been I've been reading and poking and, and, uh, and watching some reviews. It's not something, as the owner of a Steam Deck, it is not something that I'm intending to purchase at any time. In the in the foreseeable future, but it is it is nice to see and it is fascinating to see the handheld PC market start to expand, like literally one year out from right. the success. That's of the not Steam that deck. long. No, I mean like it's really not that long, and so that is really exciting to me. Right. Um, you know, and of course you know you know I've complained. You know, like, oh, I really wish I could, you know, more easily play stuff from Game Pass on my Steam Deck. And yes. Mm-hmm. Blah, 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 blah. And yeah, it's it's something that still bugs me to this day that I'm just like, uh, and like, I've had people be like, we have complained about it on Reddit. I have people be like, it's easy to put it on. I'm like, maybe for you, it's easy. It's, to be it's honest, a, for me, it's, it's janky. not. I mean, uh, you there's a workaround. Well, you know what? I think there's a, there's a janky workaround for cloud streaming, which I'm just not interested in. It never worked well for me. And then the other workaround is install Windows on your deck. And that's just... I'm, that's a hard pass. That's a that's a that's a no from me, dog. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I want, I am very open minded to a device that will allow me to, you know, enjoy all of the different things that I enjoy when I'm sitting in front of a PC. Yep. Um. So you know, yeah, could I take the time to put it in? I guess I could. But we've talked about this many times before on this show. I need things to be easy because I have ADHD and I have no patience. And, and, and you want you bought it for to have a console experience with Steam, not a PC correct. experience with, with uh, a handheld. Pros of the Asus ROG Ally are, uh, I think the form factor seems a little nicer. It seems a little smaller, a little more comfy. Uh, you know, it's not it's bigger than the Switch, I believe, but not as big as the Steam Deck. So a nice happy medium. Um, more power. It's got a better processor, so theoretically right. games will perform better. Right. It's a Windows machine, not a Linux machine, so anything that installs on Windows from Steam will run on it as a Windows machine, including uh, certain online multiplayer games. Uh, I think like Destiny, for for one example, of like things that require anti-cheat that do not work on Linux will work on this device. Right. And what else was it? I mean, basically, I think it's got like a, it's got like a nicer screen. Oh, it has a, it has 120 Hertz refresh rate, which again, is a little crazy. Like if you're, I don't know many games that would run at 120 frames per second on a handheld PC, but I imagine some low poly, you know, very well optimized games could run. And that would be a buttery, very buttery experience on a handheld device. It's mm-hmm. very cool. Mm-hmm. Downsides, um, while obviously it's running Steam as a Windows application, it's not the Steam OS. So it, you don't have the same sort of Steam input support and frame limiting support. I know I know Asus has its own software that ca- can kind of do that. And I don't know how, if it's better or worse than Steam's. Uh, and no trackpads, meaning so uh, uh, no keyboard and mouse games, city builders and strategy games that are really nice experiences on the deck are, are probably not so good on on the, the ally, which may or may not be a deal breaker for mm-hmm. any particular gamer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then the other thing that that reviewers have pointed out, which is kind of a TBD, but like. Valve has supported the fuck out of the Steam Deck. Like, yeah, like almost really two patches have. a week. Like new features, bug fixes, listening to the community, implementing new things that the community wants. And like, will Asus do that? Uh, that would be cool if they do, but uh, but I don't know that they will do it as well as uh, as Valve will. Right. Um, especially right. because like 
supporting the Steam Deck doesn't sell more Steam Decks. It sells more games, which makes Valve a ton of money. Supporting the Ally, a Windows machine, so that you go and buy more games on Steam makes Asus $0. So, like, what the business model is, is, is different and interesting from that perspective. So... I think it's fascinating and I, I hope that they are I hope it's successful and I hope we get ten more of these PCs coming out. Yeah, I have a feeling this will not be the only one we'll see mm-hmm. either. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, good stuff, good stuff. And one other thing to mention, this is a couple weeks old, but I, I think it will make an interesting discussion and and uh, uh yeah, I I know you'll find it fascinating. Someone plugged uh something i believe it was chat gpt or some version of it into skyrim in order to create dynamically and contextually aware npcs what this means is skyrim is skyrim skyrim has all the dialogue and voices and characters that you know to be in skyrim And then what this add-on, this modification does is, hey, I'm walking up to a character, an NPC, and then I can type whatever I want, like Sierra Adventure Game style. I am typing my dialogue into uh, the game. And then the characters will respond verbally with synthetic voices that sound really good. I was watching a video. Um, You expect them to be like, I am a Khajiit, and this is nope. my. Then will nope. you buy my wares? It they are. It is synthesizing the voices to sound like the voice actors that are in the original game, but saying new dialogue that is number one in the personality of the original NPC, number two contextually aware of what your character and other NPCs and the events of the world are doing. So, meaning, you know, in video games, you're like. I just saved the world from dragons and the the apocalypse and I have I have I've become a god and then a bandit's like give me all your money or die and you're like smack him in that like that's just dumb NPC shit that is in every game now theoretically a an AI a chat GPT powered NPC would be like Oh wow! This your armor is insane, and you're. I'm really scared of you. I'm gonna run away. Or I am aware that you slayed the dragon. That was so cool. You know, I'm making up dumb dialogue. Obviously, this wouldn't be in the game. But like, anyway, the world is now alive in a more dynamic way, and in a way that could generate content and quests and whatever forever, but not in a cookie cutter like. Your last your last quest was kill ten rats. Now kill fourteen rat. Like, right? I- I'm imagining a world five years from now where you're wearing a headset and you're talking into a microphone, and then you're going on a quest with NPCs, and you're like, "Cover me, uh, you know, uh, I'll I'll hit the dragon, you get the tail," and the and the NPCs like, "Roger that," and then they go and do exactly what you just commanded them to do, and assist you in like voice r- dynamic way, like. Voice, I guess what I'm saying is voice recognition combined with speech, speech synthesization, synthesization combined with AI awareness of game context are suddenly converging. And of course, it's happening in Skyrim on in a Skyrim mod today. But like, imagine what this can be plugged into a game 10 years from now. And I am excited the finally a, a good use of chat GPT. You know what I'm saying? So, the, yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think we will we will see good uses. But what you were saying about the voices, it, it brought up something that I must share because mm-hmm. I was so amazed by it yesterday. So everyone knows that I'm a huge big hit fan, right? BTS, that's yep. the company that owns them. But, um, or actually, it's actually Hive because they like turned into like a bigger company long story (laughs) anyway tldr version is yesterday one of the newer newish artists on the label released a new song and i was really looking forward to it so i went to the song and it was like midnight's new song available in six languages sung Ah. in six languages and i was like huh 
Because huh. I knew that the artist was was a Korean artist. So I was like, yeah. what's this? So then I found an article in Fast Company. And the title of the, the, of the article is, This K-pop artist sings fluently in six languages. His secret voice AI. Yep. So what they did was... They had the artist, you know, sing his Korean version. And then basically what they did was they used, they used the tech of a company um, called Supertone, which Hybe also owns. Um, And it's like a language processing and machine learning uh, program that that can accurately reproduce a singer's voice while enabling a host of adjustments. So while, while, Supertone took his original vocal and was able to like analyze, I'm assuming you mean using similar, similar technology to what like stuff like yes. GPT does mm-hmm. and was able to analyze all the parts of his voice. So it then cobbled together using the parts of his voice, the other five fully sung tracks. Yep. And I was like, holy shit, because yeah just wow wow like on every level wow it is so exciting and simultaneously so why does that feel so weird and and gross and cool at the same time gross to me Mm -hmm. because so and just a bit of context i think um you know if you are a fan of any international music but especially k-pop you know, we're lucky in that now BTS got so big um, that all of the, the the videos had English subs, but but that wasn't always the case. And mm-hmm. so then what you would do is the song would come out and you'd check it out and you'd watch the video and then you'd go into the community and you'd wait for fan subbers to sub it so you could understand yeah. the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Like it was once such a big thing. So the idea that not only would it be subbed, but it would be like it made me think, well, wait, maybe the next, maybe there'll be a future where when K-pop stars I follow do live, uh, you know, they, they come on live and they do video, live video, that maybe an AI can live translate them for, you know, oh, like yeah. stuff like that. And I was for just sure. like, those applications are fascinating to me or the applicate, like it's very smart of Hybe, I think to, to have, purchased something like this and i assume it's probably going to be something that shows up in a lot of their their future stuff but then i was talking to a musician friend yesterday and i was like so won't this mean that they'll be entirely synthetic like produced bands yes and not only will we hear them but we'll probably see them too Oh yeah, we we will see them eventually. But I guess what I what yes that that is that is exactly what I was getting at, which is, uh, I can type a song into a Google document and it will sound like a real human sung it, played it, performed it, and it's funny to me because we had the same ick weird feeling about auto tune. There was right. similar discussions about like, well, bands play instruments and this and that, but but um, uh, synth ra- rap R and B or not R and B hip hop artists are using samples and beats to create music, and it's not as good or not the same or whatever. And in retrospect, it's like, no, well, this is also awesome and still takes work and right. and and insight and fluency and music to make a great piece of music that is totally quote unquote synthetic, meaning it's generated by electronics, but it's not, it's not, uh, here's the difference. It's not composed by electronics. It is composed by humans using, um, right. Using right. sounds generated by synthesizers or computers. That's, those are still musical instruments. You know, this is more like, you know, we have enough sample, we have enough samples of anyone's human voice. Let a, forget celebrities. Like I can make a song. I could I with tools available today. I can make a song that sounds like it was sung by Taylor Swift, and right. no one would know it wasn't Taylor Swift. Right, that that's is, the thing. That we're entering a period that is really going to be. 
Interesting is the understatement of the year. Yeah, as, was, as the open open AI CEO is testifying before Congress to be like, <laughs> uh, it's uh, you, I, my company's good, but AI is crazy, so you should regulate it, but not, but not mine. I, right. I can't wait to hear what the with what Congress is going to ask this this person. I, I feel like I'm I'm staring at this quote that's from the article about the K-pop artist. Yeah, and I feel. I feel like this quote really sums it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so Bang Si Hyuk is the name of Hybe CEO. And in a Billboard interview, he said, along with the, the debut of this artist, I have long doubted that the entities that create and produce music will remain human. I don't know how long human artists can be the only ones to satisfy human needs and human mm. tastes. And mm-hmm. that's becoming a key factor for my operation and a strategy for Hybe. Yep. Whoa. This uh, person, I assume a man, uh, is so ahead of the curve. Like he's so forward looking. He's 100% right. People watch VTubers and synthetic influencers. Like I, you know, I've covered, I've covered this in my stuff. I've given talks about this. Like we think that synthetic Instagram influencers are like, Ha ha ha. That's so weird. Well, kids are weird looking at this stuff. And yet, and and they give it five years. And I think it will not only be, I don't know, it'll be, there will be two camps. There'll be like, I know this is fake and I like it. And I know that this bespoke human thing is, is human. And I also like that. And I can like both things and I know the difference. And I think that's great. The worry I have is that when is uneducated or media illiterate people not knowing the difference or bad actors knowingly deceiving the public right and that's the hard part right it's like that's the hard part um i think i think that you know ultimately no matter what powerful technology or thing that we have you'll have people using it for extreme good and people using it for evil yep um and so that is always a problem, you know? And given um, what we've seen, given the arc of social media, which is when we, you and I first started covering it and using it, it was so optimistic. It was so positive. The world mm-hmm. was being connected. Everyone had a voice. Um, and I still believe in that. And I still think it's a net positive for humanity. But the business model of social media, which was we give it to you for free in exchange for in exchange for stealing your privacy and monetizing your attention, created an ecosystem where it has to be as addictive as possible, and the content that is the most popular is the craziest conspiracy, right. batshit, insane, sensational, fake news, whatever, because that's the stuff that gets people angry, sad, anxious, depressed, clicking, what, blah, blah, blah. And because we chose that business model instead of a more, you know, pay for the service or nonprofit, you know, I I often say Wikipedia is a miracle. And the reason it's very accurate and community driven is because it doesn't make money. It's not for profit. There is, there will never be an ad, God willing, an advertisement on a Wikipedia page. And that's why Wikipedia works. The minute you put an advertisement on there, it all breaks down. Yep. 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 Anyway, to yep. your point about about using it for good and evil, like we could have had a better internet, but we made choices that made it suck. And now we have these amazing tools with AI, uh, which, you know, is a bit of a misnomer. They're more like, uh, what do you call them? Large language uh, LLM or ML, yeah. what is it? Uh, yeah. Large language models. Right, right. We can choose to make them open or pay to use or like we can choose to make them ethical or we can choose to be like whatever everyone could do it right and we'll just get data and sell it later and that's that's going to be the problem with this if we do it wrong yeah no definitely like it it's yeah it's oh what a time to be alive what a time to be alive but video but but the video games that will come out of it. Do you? I, I I know you were not necessarily much of a PC gamer in the olden days, but there was something about playing adventure games. Sierra. Oh well, you know Zork. You so you know what I'm. Obviously, mm-hmm, you're a mm-hmm. Zork fan. 
this idea of typing whatever you want into a computer and somehow a, a, a mystical force, a mind inside the computer would respond to you. And like, if you if you went along with the illusion, you'd be like, wow, this is like a real person or, you know, a, a real intelligence in there responding to me and saying, you can't do that. Ha ha ha. Or yes, this key does go in the store. You went into the next area. You went and you unlocked it. Cool. It was always very mystical to me. And then and then as you grew up and became more literate, you were like, all right, these are clearly just like wh when you push it to its limits, you're um you're seeing the seams, you know, you're, 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 you're understanding that these are canned responses and they're triggered by like, if you say this, then it will say this. And if you say this, it'll say this. And you start to, uh, this is what start, this is what started me on my journey to understanding how computers worked was, was video games, you know, text adventures. Right. And now yeah. we are, we have finally arrived at a world where it's like, we will have video games where you can do and say, or type anything into them and they will truly and dynamically respond accurately to to that input and that's that in a way that was the dream we we've we've realized the dream of true emergent play in a digital space i think we're almost there and that's really exciting to me yeah no it's yeah it's something like I know a lot of folks are scared. I know a lot of folks are, but I mean, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's a lot. So I personally, even though I know there will be plenty of people that use it for wrong. Like the other day I saw, we did this story at work that was like, you have to fear a new kind of like spam call where mm -hmm. someone mm -hmm. samples the voices of your people, you know, people, you know, and they call you and ask you for money. And I was like, yep. that's really bad because yep. my mom would not be able to tell the difference. And frankly, maybe I wouldn't either, yep. you know, it's danger. We're not, uh, you and I are not, uh, famous or public figures by any calibration or stretch, but there is enough uh, audio of our voices and images of our faces and, and bodies on the internet to easily synthesize us in many forms to trick our family members. You know what, you know what I mean? I was, I'm working with another podcaster and we were on a call with, uh, this was a while ago. This was like a year ago. Uh, Descript, which is uh, a service that is mostly used where you can transcribe your podcast into text and then you edit the text to like remove the ums and, rem and it's mm -hmm. like, oh, we went off topic here. So bloop, delete this paragraph. And then it edits the audio for you as well. It's a really powerful tool. Uh, I don't use it regularly, but it's a very, very good tool for podcasters. And they also have um, uh, technology that can synthesize your voice with the thing. So what it's really useful for is like, oh, my host said blah, 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 blah. And they did this and blah, blah, blah. And then they said a date wrong you know, when they were reporting the news and they said April 15th instead of April 16th. And so what a producer can do is instead of calling the host back into the session and say, hey, say this sentence again. Oh, hey, oh, you're traveling. You're not available. Blah, blah, blah. What they do is they just synthesize that word or phrase oh. and insert it into the, uh, the audio to fix it so that it's accurate for publication and you don't have to bother your host, whatever. Amazing. And we were like, oh, my God, this is so great. And so I asked them on the call. I was like, I was just curious, like, um, or they did a demo for us and they were uh, they typed a phrase into a, into the field and then it synthesized the voice of one of the employees at the company. I was like, oh, man, that's so cool. Like, how much audio did you need to synthesize this? And he was like. I swear to God, he was like, oh, about two minutes. I expected him to say hours because the last time I used these tools, it needed hours and hours and hours of audio. And even then, it still sounded like a robot. And then last year, I was like, how much did you need for this? He's like, well, like two minutes, you know, five minutes. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. And again, using it for good. Oh, subbing in a date on a news report. That's really useful. Saves me so much time. Well, awesome. right. And that's the thing. You know, it's like, what if 
you know, I'm, you know, I'm managing 10 people at work. What if, you know, I assigned to someone and, you know, I don't know, like they get their story. And then instead of having to manually put it into, you know, put it into a CMS or whatever, like, you know, they're verbally just right. Like, you know, I don't know, set up post shell about this thing. And like the whole mm-hmm. thing generates like, especially yep. in a news context, like this mm-hmm. could be insane. Oh yeah, you know? for sure. Uh, and then, and then on the flip side, I can make Joe Biden say and do whatever I want with a few clicks. And that is really a problem <laughs> on so many levels because yep. I mean, you know, we, deep fakes have already been like such a, you know, and a big fear, but um, yeah, I don't know. I guess we just, we're going to be in a position where we just have to find ways to, you know, be cautious and double check like, yeah. What's happening it, to us. And I'm not it, sure it how we're to gonna be, get around it. It has to be about trust and media literacy. I, I don't know any other way. It's like if a if a one hundred year old news organization that has been trusted uh for a long for that long, called the New York Times, says something or publishes an image or publishes a piece of audio, then you know, mistakes get made and reporters have bias, but on the whole, we can say that the New York Times article is going to be vetted and fact-checked and, and reported out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, freedomeagle.biz on Facebook is is not going to be at the same trust level as, as that other organization. And yeah. if you can't tell the difference between those two and you can and you can be skeptical of both, but you have to be more way more skeptical of one or you have to say, hey, the New York Times and The Washington Post and The Verge, which is, you know, very trustworthy, but hasn't been a lot around as long. They're all reporting the same thing. And freedomeagle.biz dot Trump is 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 saying a different thing. There, these are not all the same level of trustworthiness, um, even though they're all displaying the same imagery. I, I, I don't know. You know, we can't fight. We can't fight this. We just have to educate and and determine the difference between trustworthy sources and and not. And that social, you know, a post on social media by a guy is not the same thing as NPR reporting what the president is doing. You know. Yeah. 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 It's, oh my God, so much, so much. And, um, it kind of makes me want to take a a deep breath and go, okay, let's go back to video games. (laughs) Let's go back and play more tears of the kingdom. Uh, hop into our discord and tell us, you know, we know y'all are playing and enjoying, uh, but you're all, everyone's at different spots in the game. And and so we don't want to get too far ahead, but, uh, please hop in there. Links are always in the show notes and, and let us know how you're enjoying it or what you've been doing or, or, you know, which dimensions of it you've been, uh, enjoying the most or, or getting stuck on being frustrated. We'd love to hear what you're doing in the game and of course, what else you're playing. So, uh, we'll see, we'll see if next week it'll be all tiers of the kingdom all the time, or if, or if we'll be dabbling in other things that this is going to be an interesting few weeks and months ahead of us, uh, for the show. So, uh, we look forward to chatting with you more about that. Colette, thank you for returning to your to your own show. Final thoughts, final words before we go? It's nice to be back. And um, I look forward next week to telling you all about uh, what I did in Tears of the Kingdom because I'm not going to be playing anything else. Whee! You heard it. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.